Hey everyone, this week we are talking about boundaries, one of our four pillars we often dive into when talking about how we can respectfully raise our children, but boundaries are also so important with our teens and as we move into interacting with adults in our lives like our spouse, our family, at work, and boundaries really are hardest when setting for the people that we love most and it helps me to remember that we set boundaries around our values like love and respect and not boundaries around people. We don't let people in if we have a boundary around respect who are disrespecting us. And that can feel really challenging when that person is someone we love or someone in our family. So we're diving into this today. We're diving into how boundaries really challenge us to get clear about what we want our life to be, set boundaries around that. And then from that beautiful space, when we set those boundaries, we can then let go of being defensive around people's reactions or seeking approval for our choices. Boundaries really mean freedom. As we develop our strong sense of self, then we can move into a new awareness of other people, their boundaries, of acceptance, and it's not all rainbows and butterflies. (laughs) We can get used to how things are, and our kids do as well, and so do the adults in our lives. So As you listen today, hopefully that we can inspire you to set some new boundaries and then be ready for the ripples and the pushback and also hold space for that as well. All right, let's find the magic. Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. Hey everybody, Caitlin here. I'm going to start us off with our high fives and face palms. And mine is a face palm. I am... As many of you know, I'm pregnant right now, and I have very vivid pregnancy dreams, which for the most part are great. I have no problem with it. But the last two nights in a row, I have had bad dreams, which is not common for me. I feel like I maybe have a bad dream every so often, but there was two that were really not good. Like I woke up and I was just like sweating and panicked and I felt like mentally distressed (laughs) it's just not good and both of them were totally different like one of them actually legitimately was scary like when I told it to Cameron he's so nice I like wake him up in the middle of the night and tell him my dreams and he's just really nice (laughs) but um and that one I like actually legitimately was like scared about talking about the one that I had last night before this episode was now if I were to talk about it, it's like, okay, that's actually, it's okay. It was like about a witch who was chasing me. It was kind of weird. But at the time, it was so scary. And so anyway, I was like, when I woke up, I was like, this is crazy. So I have some things in place that I'm going to try to do to reduce, because two in a row is just not, it's just not a great way to like have your night go. What are the tips? Well, I want to set an intention at night for myself of just like before I go to bed of like, can sleep all the way through the night and have peaceful dreams because obviously I've I've heard of that a few times of like setting an intention before you go to bed is helpful so I'm going to try to do that because I don't know if I have been intentional before I go to bed and then 
You mean just fall down and yeah, I did exactly. Yeah, (laughs) me too. (laughs) Say a little prayer if I can hopefully stay awake for it, and then yeah, yeah. So that's my goal, and hopefully, like maybe giving myself. Sometimes I do this, but I think the last few nights I haven't because again with summer there's just a lot of fun stuff going on and. But, like, I do try to have some sort of wind-down period that allows my brain to kind of calm, and I wonder if I just haven't been doing that. So those are some things that I'm going to try. But if other people, if you guys have any advice, or if other people have any advice, I'm all for it. Because I really don't like bad dreams. And it feels really childish, but, like, I don't want them. So (laughs) They affect so much. Oh, my gosh. Bad dreams are the worst. I had a period of time where I was having such bad dreams. And, yeah, for me, going to bed with the intention including it in my prayers like I, yeah that really helped because I usually don't pray about my dreams but like I was praying about mm-hmm. like help me and then Parker Felicia's husband made me a dream catcher I and those three things I don't know which one it was but it Tom solved Tom. it I mean I still have a bad dream every once in a while but I was having them like every night like nightmares yeah, yeah that's not fun so those are yeah. three tips ask Parker for a dream catcher I actually do have a dream catcher from Parker. He sent me on my mission. So I need to just well. yank it out of where I think I know where it is. And but. again, I think that's probably just an intention thing. You know, you yeah. feel a little love and you feel a little, I don't know. Well, when I was a kid, I used to have bad dreams. And I think Parker told me about dream catchers. And you know how they get, they get like spots in them that are black. I don't know if anybody has dream catchers, but they do. They get, they just like naturally get little spots in them. Well, no, they're the and bad Cameron dreams. told, or sorry, not Cameron, Parker told me. As a kid, when we were kids, he was like, yeah, those are the bad dreams that get caught. And so as a kid, it was like, of course. (laughs) So then when I had a dream catcher, it really was just like, I never had bad dreams after I got a dream catcher. So I should, I should pull mine out. And I think there is something to that because if you believe that you won't. Anyway, there's power in that. So that's my commit face palm, but hopefully it'll be a high five. We'll see. Report back. Yeah. Yeah. Let you guys know. (laughs) All right. I have a high five to girls trips and just getting away and taking a little break I wanted to clarify something I had posted that we were on a girl's trip and we had a listener I had a listener write me and say you know I'm so glad that you posted this because I had the perception that you guys were always like with your kids and I was feeling bad getting like that I wanted to have some space for my kids so I wanted to clarify we are not (laughs) always with our kids and in fact I think and I feel like now we need to like say this more that we really value space from our kids yes. a lot yes and I mean between you know like our morning time that we try to fit in workouts just simple stuff like that throughout your day getting that space but we we often do girls trips and like girls nights and things like that so I support separate Yes. Your children. Yes. 100%. Date night. My youngest, yes. my four-year-old, because they get a date once a month. Actually, sorry, not every kid gets a date every once a month. They get a date every other month because me, me and Jeff take our kids on dates once a month, but there's only two of us, right? Mm-hmm. And so my youngest, honestly, probably twice a month, he's like, why does daddy get a date every single week? <laughs> like, why? And yeah, it's because of that. It's like, because... Our time away from you guys helps us be better when we're with you. <laughs> I come back. I feel like I'm in a musical when I see him. I'm just like, oh, I just love everybody. I just want to sing. And I was not feeling like that when I left. Yeah, which is yeah. actually pretty in line with what we're going to talk about with boundaries. It's you true. You're setting your boundaries for yourself. It's true. You do. It's so true. Well, my face palm is kind of connected to the girls' trip. So I left my... I mean, guys, then literally at 3 in the morning before we left on this girl's trip, 
my kids start throwing up, which is always fun. And <laughs> we, <laughs> Felicia's family had already had the sickness early in the week. So this we knew. This is a wildfire yeah, sickness. It's we, just spreading. <laughs> we knew it was coming, you know, because of course, I swear that stuff spreads telepathically. And, and we've that, also been together. <laughs> but we've also been together like every day because they're moving. And so, you know, we've been having our kids with our kids a lot. Anyway, so we knew it was coming, but sure enough, we're leaving. 3 a.m., the throw-up starts. And I was like, I can't go. Like, I can't go on a girls' trip with you guys throwing up. But my husband, who's incredible, was like, Terlin, I got this. Like, you you just go. I have this. And he is. He is so capable. Like, I'm, I wasn't doubting his capability. I just was feeling guilty about it. And so he, like, totally made me not feel guilty. He's like, you just go. It's going to be great. And he, I mean, literally for the next couple days just was incredible. He even just had, bail like, and barf. Barf Olympics. <laughs> it was really cute. But the, the face palm is, yeah, did you see so the clip gross. of him? He made a video of Barf Olympics. Ew. He, like, wrote down the stats of how many oh times they threw up and how creatively the places they threw up. Oh my and then he, like, gave them awards and they had, like, a medal ceremony. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> anyway, um, the one my oldest daughter won with 18 throw-ups. Oh, so. my gosh. Which I think she takes the record of everyone, because everyone's been sick, except for Caitlin's husband and kid. Yeah. Everyone else. Evan yeah. and Cam have survived. Yeah. Most of us were under, like, between one and five. But yeah. She, yeah, she really, she really took that overachievement yeah. <laughs> to a whole other level. But anyway, the facepalm is that on our girls' trip then, both Caitlin and I came down with a stomach flu <laughs> on the trip. Yeah. One... Yeah, I'm not going to get into the details, but let's just say that half our trip was just I us should. recovering from, from our sickness in the night. So, I mean, and again, I'm with people that I love and are close to me. So if I'm going to, like, sleep for five hours in the middle of the day, at least I was with you guys. But it was kind of a facepalm that it was, like, on our girls' trip. But I have to say, so facepalm for me, but a high five, ten high fives to Jeff for holding down the fort and not even like making me not only not feel guilty but like he like went out of his way to make me feel oh another okay while i'm giving shout outs here my dad i was just about to shout out stan okay yeah so well okay all so, the men a shout out yes <laughs> shout out i'm gonna shout out jeff of he like not only he got sick let's see saturday night and he didn't even tell me because he knew i'd feel bad so it literally wasn't until the day we're coming home. And it's like, oh, by the way, I got it also and was up. And he, guys, he has a broken sternum. So he's throwing up Ugh. with a broken sternum. Ugh. This is making me feel like I'm not a good wife. As I'm saying this, this is not sounding good for me. But anyway, <laughs> so shout out to Jeff for not only not making me not feel guilty, but like really encouraging me to go and not even telling me when he got sick himself. So. I think it feels so good when your spouse or friends or anyone when you can just feel that they want your happiness and there's no guilt totally. no and resentment no and all yeah. the husbands did that yeah. and you need that when you're going on a girl's trip yeah. it does not feel good if you know they're at home mad yeah totally yeah because even yeah. if they're doing it it's like that's sad right you know it's, you're, right. you're feeling mad you're feeling guilty all that's right yeah. But yeah, quickly with dad, he was sick the night before and he still offered to watch some of the kids, which was yes, so nice. Yes, I know. He yeah, all the men. He didn't even say it. He didn't even say all that he had been up sick. Yeah, all the men were really great. Good. And it's true, that made the girls' trip possible, and not only possible, but incredibly enjoyable that all of our husbands really stepped in and made it great. So Yes. It's a good example, though, of when you do, speaking of, so we're talking about boundaries, but what Caitlin just said about resentment 
makes a huge difference. I think of this sometimes. When I give from a place, so this last weekend, all of our husbands gave, right? But if they were to have given from a space of resentment and been like, okay, fine, whatever, go. Yeah. They'd still be doing the work, but not reaping any of the relationship benefits because then as a wife, I'd be like, oh my gosh, like I feel so bad mm-hmm. and I wouldn't be recharging on the girl's mm-hmm. trip or I wouldn't go at all. Whatever. Or you feel mad. Yeah. yeah. Or you're like, it's been two years since, you know what yeah. I mean? Like we've gone, I want to just be able to go, whatever. And it's, so what I'm saying is oftentimes I think when we give service to people that we love in some way, I find this sometimes when I'm doing it myself, I'm like, if I do this with a bad attitude, I'm actually not going to reap the rewards of it, but I'm still doing the work of it. Right. So what's the point of doing the work? Should have not even done it. Yeah. Offering, yeah. offering to help somebody with their kids, offering to help somebody with whatever. If I'm doing it and I'm kind of being like huffy about it, then... No, you should have set a boundary and said no. Yeah, right. I either should have said no or I should change my attitude so I'm giving from a place of generosity because that's the whole point of yeah. that. And I think a lot of, I think a lot of us... We still give, but we do it from a place of resentment. And when we do that, we feel like we're like obligated to somehow, whether it's through our crispiness or our attitude, kind of let the person know, like, hey, this right. is, this is putting me I'm out. Doing your favor. Fine, I'll do it. Martyring but again, yourself. Yeah, yeah, you're martyring yourself, and then you're literally not re- reaping the relationship reward, but you're still doing the work, guys. So yeah. I think this is a great segue into what we're talking about, which is if you can set healthy boundaries for yourself and for others, then when you give, you can give. From a space of true generosity, which Brene Brown says that there is no generosity without boundaries, right? Yeah. As we deep dive into this, I just wanted to quickly go over our four pillars, which are connection, unconditional love, being present in every moment. And we wanted to clarify that. We often just shorten that down to presence, which I think can be confused with connection. But when we talk about our pillars, connection is that putting into the bucket with your kids or your spouse. Presence is our personal awareness of the present moment, which I also think is the hardest one. It's tricky. Yeah. And doesn't come naturally. I think it takes work. And then unconditional love. And today we're talking about boundaries, which is like the one of these things is not like the others Mm -hmm. of the list. But it's so important because without... Without setting, you know, limits and boundaries with our kids, we can be all rainbows and unicorns, but then they're, well, I think what it comes down to, I mean, there's the fact that they probably will be, you know, misbehaving or maybe like in La La Land, but I think the biggest thing is they don't feel safe without Mm -hmm. the boundaries. Yeah, exactly. It's like the fence. So we are going to dive into boundaries today. We're going to start with talking about toddlers and little kids and I think it's important to remember that we should start as we mean to go on with boundaries with our kids. So in the book The Soul of Discipline, yeah, Soul of Discipline, that's mm-hmm. sounding wrong, but that's, no, that's it. Right. By Kim John Payne, he talks about being very consistent with boundaries. He's like it can sound slightly like you're hovering, but that's not it. It's just easier to set a boundary when the problem is small so it's easier to say oh you're gonna drop your cookie I'm just gonna put that over here on the counter it looks like you're not hungry then when they've taken all the cookies and thrown them off the high chair and crushed them so Mm -hmm. it's easier to set a boundary before the situation gets elevated and it helps your child feel safer in that 
you know, my mom's going to step in before I'm having a full blown, like meltdown, like tantrum. She's going to step in when she can like see me going off the rails. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about boundaries with toddlers and little kids, I just like to keep that in the back of my mind that when we're holding those boundaries for them, it's, it's that safety net Mm -hmm. and it doesn't need to feel, I don't know. I think sometimes people feel like heavy about boundaries like they're being maybe they were parented really militant when they were a kid Mm -hmm. so they feel like they're being super strict and they don't want to be a strict parent they want to be like a fun nice unconditional love connecting parent Mm -hmm. and I think it's both you can be all those things and hold a boundary and help your child feel safe and protect that relationship yeah and I think the cool thing Janet Lansbury talks about this in her book as well as in a couple of podcasts but how boundaries set our children free. And that's true for us too, and we're gonna talk about that a little later in the episode, but that when we do hold boundaries for our kids, it is setting them free. It's allowing them to, like we're unburdening them by doing it, and I kind of love that because, so some examples for me when I think about setting boundaries, because I think some boundaries are pretty easy to set. Mm -hmm. And like, we as parents usually have no problem setting them. For instance, running in the road, it's like, that's a boundary that most of us feel really comfortable in enforcing and setting, and it doesn't really matter if our kid cries because we know that this is an inherent boundary that you can't run in the road because that's unsafe. Mm-hmm. So like for me, that's a really one easy one for me to, I don't feel guilty about it. I don't really, I don't feel sad if he cries about it. It's so easy. So sometimes for me, that actually is, I like bring it back to that sometimes of like, I can be okay with setting this boundary and be confident in it. And it almost helps me in the execution of holding a boundary of like, It's okay for me as a parent to set this. But there's some times where I think as parents, we, when we don't feel comfortable setting the boundary is when I think it becomes a little hard for us and I think sometimes for our kids. At least that's how I feel. When they feel us like we're kind of wishy. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So like some examples of that. And and I think for me, the key thing with boundaries, whether it's with our children as little ones, teenagers, or with ourselves as adults, is coming back to being aware of why am I having a hard time setting this boundary or saying no. So like literally asking yourself that question. So for me, an example with Emmett lately with my two-year-old is he will, he's, he's just able to, I mean, he, he's kind of really able to start like verbally communicating things, which I love. And I think it's so cute and everything he says, I'm dying over, but he can actually kind of like verbally demand things. Whereas before he might be able to show me that he wanted something, but now he can say, mommy, like, come do this or stand up or do this. And for the most part, I think it's just so fun and cute. I love like seeing this, but at the same time, it's interesting because I find myself like, he'll want me to come and play or do something with him. And sometimes, sometimes I really do want to, like, it's like, oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, like let's, let's go outside and do this. But sometimes when we feel, and I think we've all felt this as parents where it's like, I don't actually want to do that. For instance, Emmett will be like, mommy, come to, come jump on the tramp with me. And I'm like, I don't want to jump on the, first of all, I'm eight months pregnant. <laughs> Second of all, it's 104 degrees outside. <laughs> I have no desire to go jump on the tramp right now. So I'll say like, you can go jump on the tramp, but I don't want to. And you know, like I can tell he's kind of sad about it. And in my mind, some dialogue that I have is like, oh, am I being like a not good mom if I'm not playing with him? Like I really could go and play with him. I don't it's, have anything else to do. Right. Like, like this moment. Yeah. I mean, I, I could do other chores, but I could go play. So that I, I kind of have like this back and forth of like, and maybe I'm not being like a present mom if I don't do it. And that's, I think where for us as parents, sometimes when we have this wishy-washiness, it's hard for us to set a clear boundary. So sometimes we either say yes when we really maybe wanted to say no mm-hmm. and, and our kids can feel that. So it's like, 
even if maybe we had a boundary that we wanted to set and we didn't set it, our kids can still feel that and they can feel that they are maybe having control when they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. They're not, we're putting them in a place of control when they don't. They're not in like really a place to have it. Yeah, they, they really do need us to be in that place. And so when we can say no and be okay with them letting those emotions out, because sometimes they, they might be sad that we're not going to do something and they might say it, but that really is helping them come unstick themselves because like they need us to be in the place of control and be able to be okay with them showing hard feelings about it. And that's okay. Right. Like we can still be, be there for them and acknowledge it. But in the end, usually what I've experienced is that then after I've held the boundary of like, you know, I'm not going to do that right now, but like you can go and do that. After he kind of has like let out that steam or whatever, it usually is totally fine and it really does set him free. And I think Janet Lansbury uses the phrase of like, nobody likes to feel controlling or bossy in that moment. And so when we can, like when our kids are bossing us around or something like that, they don't feel comfortable in that situation either. So I think also recognizing that in ourselves of like, Ask yourselves, like, why am I feeling hard to say no in this boundary? Is it because I feel like I might not be a good mom? I'm perceived as like I'm disappointing someone. If it's those reasons, you're not coming at it from like a clean space. And it's a lot harder to hold a boundary. And I think we have a hard time saying no to our kids or anybody. And we'll talk about the anybody part later. But I think that that is something that has really helped me of like being clean about when I do say no. And for them, it it does set our children free. So totally. I think it also shows them that our relationship and our connection or whatever, our love is not contingent on us pleasing each other, either us pleasing them or I mean, it's teaching them that, you know, they can have relationships with people and and be really loving and connected without saying yes to everything that other people say. Like when you set that boundary and show them, but I still love you the exact same. Yeah. And you, you can freak out about it, and the love's still there. It shows them that they, they have the ability to do that in the future. You know, it's teaching them that boundary setting. So I think that's Yeah, that so they great. can do it for themselves, exactly. Totally. So in The Soul of Discipline, he uses the example, or I guess the, the metaphor, that boundaries for kids. So when you go on a roller coaster, and you, you know, people will test their... What is it? Constraint? Yeah. Is that like what it's called? Restraint? Restraint. The seat belts or whatever. Their yeah. seat belt or like the little thing that goes over your chest and you push against it. And he says, nobody wants it to give. Like you're testing that boundary because you want it to hold. And I, I feel like imagining that in my mind with little kids is such a good example of what they're asking for from us. They want us to be that restraint that keeps them safe in the safe place right. they don't they don't want to run and they want you to protect them from running in the road it's not like go ahead you see, see what, what happens. happens yeah you know exactly. so i think knowing that can it's like the permission it's oh like we are a parent for a reason we're not supposed to make everything fun and easy for them we're supposed to say no in situations and hold those boundaries mm-hmm. for them yeah and i think this is where we talk about the difference between the you know just overly controlling where you're just trying to make you know <laughs> no 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 like I'm sitting like I'm just making rules all the time and holding them we're setting rules that we think are important and then we're hold- then we're getting as much freedom as we can within the framework of those limits right but I think the firmness and when I say firm I don't mean like aggressive I just mean like gently firm mm-hmm. when we hold those you're what you're saying is exactly right it creates a feeling of safety for kids. I mean, what am I saying? It's a feeling for me because I know 
honestly, I know, I love it. Like on my firm limits, I know that my answer is always the same, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have to like debate it every yeah. time with myself. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I actually love when Janet Lansbury says, you can make a decision and then you can actually change your mind later. But you don't have to be in the moment, be like, oh my gosh, I don't know if this is the right thing. And mm-hmm. you, you just give your permission to, yeah, you know, you can change your boundary later if you want. But when you set it in the firm one, just, it's okay. Just set it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just, just yesterday, we experienced this with my, this is such a small example, but we were... I was with my kids and we were gonna go get something yummy for lunch. So it's like, you know, we usually just always eat lunch at home. So this is a splurge. We were out driving kids different places and I'm like, okay, we get to choose where we want. We were debating between two things. And everybody wanted this one place and my other son, one of my sons did not want that. He wanted something totally different. And it was great because I found myself wanting, I want everybody to be happy, right? So I'm like, okay, well, can we, Maybe we should go to where he wants, but then I'm gonna have to change everybody else's mind. Should I try to like control whatever? Because I really do want everybody to be happy. But it was it was such like a nice example of like, no, this is where we're going. This is you know how we decided it was through a vote. So I'm like we voted, and he was having such a hard time with it. And I loved being able to tell him like, this is what we have decided, mm-hmm. and you can be really sad about it if you want, but it isn't going to change where we go. But I hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just, and it wasn't even a big deal. I mean, it was probably a big deal for him for like five minutes, but for the rest of us and for my other kids to hear me just say that, like in a really calm way, you know, you can be upset about it, but it's not going to change where we're going. That's just, a, it's such a, like a small example, but it really gives everybody freedom. Mm-hmm. It gives the person freedom to be upset about it. It gives everybody else freedom of being like, she's not going to be like wishy-washy going back and forth because trying to make everybody happy, that doesn't mean, right? Nobody ends up happy. And it gives me freedom because I'm like, I don't have to, it's exhausting to try to be like, okay, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Maybe uh, we can swing by this place and we can, yeah, I'll do two different places or I'll, I'll make two meals tonight because everybody's not happy about it. Like at home, I just make one meal and you're either happy about it or you're not, but that's the meal we're making. And I think when your kids can feel that surety from you, their reaction, they're, you know, they're still going to get out their emotions, but Sometimes I think there's the part where they're getting out their their emotions and then there's like the extra part where they're like, if I take it this much farther, I think my mom yes. might change her mind. Yes. And it just like, that's deleted because they know, they know that on Tuesday is the only day we watch a show. And so I can do the big old tantrum if I want and get all exhausted, but she's not going to change her mind. She never does. Mm-hmm. It's our boundary. It's right. our family thing. It's our value. So, and I think it, it a lot, a lot of times takes that extra part of yeah. the sadness out. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. And I think the cool thing is is that, and again, Janet Lansbury, obviously we love her, we've mentioned her a lot already, but she, I love that she says that we, as the parents, are we are the only ones in the relationship that have this ability to free them from that. You know what I mean? Like, they are not in a position to be able to set their own boundaries and be able to free, be like, I'm gonna, I'm okay yeah. with this. Like, yeah. So it's okay, and I think it's cool to recognize that we are the only person in the in the relationship that can actually give them that freedom yeah. by setting the boundary and and hold a space for them when they do let forth their flood of emotions about it. Yeah. So I think that's empowering. And oftentimes, you know, we look at this through ages. So right now we're talking about babies, toddlers, little kids, and we're having to set a lot more and boundaries and hold them a lot firmer because we're we're teaching. Discipline means to teach. We're teaching them in this stage and as they move into older stages they'll have that foundation of the boundaries but also you know there's times in our kids lives whenever they are that we're gonna have to 
go back to those stronger boundaries in order to free them from a stage because what they're saying, so maybe your kid's 10, but they're, so they should have this foundation of the boundaries, but they're really railing against your boundaries because maybe they're having a hard time at school or maybe they're, you know, feeling disoriented. They haven't had enough rhythm in the home or whatever. When we can go back to this this stage where we're being very consistent and very firm, maybe we've been a little lenient because they know the boundaries and so we've been kind of like wishy-washy a little bit. Oftentimes if my kids are, you know, um, what's the right word? I don't really like the word acting. It is kind of acting out, but they're being outside of their character. I try to remind myself that they're they're trying to orient to me and to our family and feel like where is my safety where is my like my pillar that i'm i'm gonna orbit around i need to it's like a magnet like i need to come back i'm like asking you for this and i need you to hold our normal boundaries in a loving way because like they're asking for help and i think there's times as our kids as we move into this older kid age that they're going to need those consistent boundaries almost like reset because they're in a willful stage. So in the soul discipline, Kim John Payne calls it a soul fever or no, not in the soul discipline in simplicity parenting, same author, mm. but he calls it a soul fever where they're kind of going through a rougher time. They might be 16 years old and you kind of have to bring them back down to that littler kid stage and help them with you know, with that disorientation. And that's through clear values, consistency, holding that boundary, and slowly they'll reorient to the family and that like big freak out will stop, but they just need that grounding of the boundaries. What's up you guys, Roger Jessup here with the Utah House Doctors. So you just bought your nice new house, and what happens when something goes wrong or something breaks? We have you covered. We have vetted several contractors, whether it be from a break in your sprinkler lines or your kid punched a hole in the wall and you just need a handyman. You have access to these people by following our page, and these are people that we know and trust. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the... Must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So we want to talk about teens and older kids, which is, we haven't delved into this much because our kids have been younger. Terrilyn's moving into... Kind of segueing into it. Yeah, she's in the segue. She's in the middle. <laughs> on the transition point. <laughs> and, which, as you guys know from toddlers, transitions come with their own challenges, right? Because you're, re, you're kind of resetting a lot of different things. So I am learning... A lot. My oldest daughter is 12, so she is technically a tween. And um, I also, in my church calling, I am 
the Young Women's President, so that means I am, my, my, my stewardship is from like 11 years old to 18 year old young women. So I am actually right now, like knee deep into teenage stuff, <laughs> right? And surprisingly, whether it's in a parent situation or whether you're teaching teenagers or whatever your role is, I'm finding that they are, that's different, guys. I don't know if you knew this, but they're <laughs> different than toddlers. <laughs> so, and I'm maybe like, they're the same, just in a bigger body. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, <laughs> I mean, slightly smarter. Just the pillars, yeah, the pillars are the same. But it's interesting for me as I'm trying to figure out, so how does this apply? Because I feel like for the last, uh, I don't know, 12 years of my life, I've been only dealing with adult boundary setting, which we will talk about, and young children boundary setting. So this is kind of, even when I taught in college, I mean, I was dealing with adults, right? Mm -hmm. I never taught in junior high or high school. So I feel like this last year or so, I've really been like delving deeper into older kids and so a couple things that I just want to point out that are a little different but like we're still talking about the same concepts here is I feel like when we're setting boundaries for young children it's the same it's the same concept as in we are setting like a limit in a in a little like a little fence and then giving them freedom within that fence but with teenagers that freedom within the fence is a lot of times away from us like we're not just allowing all sorts of stuff in front of us. It's they're getting a lot of freedom, autonomy that we don't even see. We're right? trusting that there's a lot of trust. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. We're like letting it's letting them out of our sight. And what I'm finding for myself that's the hardest thing is when my kids were really little and still with my younger kids, unconditional love was such an ingrained part of our relationship, right? Like they they knew, especially as we started getting into this more respectful way of parenting. I mean, I feel like for the most part, like it's easy for me now to stay unruffled because I've practiced enough. I'm not saying I'm perfect at it by any means, but I'm saying just the more you practice staying unruffled, the easier it is for your kids to know, like she really does love me no matter what I do. And the little kid problems aren't as offensive. Yeah, like, yeah. Once you practice them, they are though when you haven't practiced them. Yeah, but yeah, once yeah. you practice them a little bit, they're not as offensive. It's like, yeah, go ahead and chuck that cookie across the room you do that you exactly. know <laughs> exactly whereas for I feel like when you first start down the road of respectful parenting your kids tantrums feel like a direct reflection on yes. you and offensive is the right word you're yes. offended by their yeah. misbehavior whereas I feel like with you practice when you once you practice for a little while with toddlers it's so easy to see their behavior as they are feeling a big feeling letting it out I'm creating a safe framework for them but I'm still going to hold these limits and boundaries so that my kid doesn't become a tyrant. Like it's a really easy, mm -hmm. I'm the big person here, mm -hmm. I can hold this boundary. However, and, and I know that their adoration for me actually only increases as I set healthy limits with mm -hmm. them, right? Like toddlers love it when they know that you're going to keep them safe from themselves, right? Mm -hmm. And not just themselves but from hurting other people and all those kinds of things. So I, I felt like up until this point with my own children, that's just a given that they are going to continue to adore me. No, no matter what boundaries I set, we're focusing on connection, we're being present, we're having unconditional love. And then so when I set a boundary, it's like it only really enhances our relationship. It's never been on the table that they're not going to like me, mm -hmm. right? But guys, I'm finding, it's kind of making me feel emotional, but I'm finding with my 12-year-old that that's actually not a given any longer, right? I mean, we always love each other, but... She doesn't think I'm the coolest person who ever lived anymore, right? Mm -hmm. Like, just, honestly, just two years ago, like, she still felt like everything I said was so, like, every, and everything I did was 
when I say cool, I don't mean because this is a popularity contest at all, because I don't believe in those anyway, but especially with your kids. But I'm just saying, like, I, I've always, we've adored each other, but I've always felt like her adoration for me is always there. And, but now, it's not just a given anymore, right? So I find myself fearing, like, but if I set this boundary, and she doesn't like it, because that's what you do with boundaries, sometimes you don't like them, am I okay with her really not liking me for a little bit? Like, is that okay? And of course it is. I know with my intellectual mind that when I am setting a boundary for her, because I'm not setting little tiny boundaries anymore about like, don't hit your siblings, although I guess that does come up sometimes. Mm-hmm. These are more about big things, like all of our friends have phones and we're not, we're not doing the phone thing right now and we have very strict screen time rules and different things like that. And for the most part, I mean, she's so respectful and I feel like she really gets the why behind our boundaries but there are some times where I, I fear as I said a boundary my fear is but if I do this what if she doesn't like me anymore and we, yeah. and we lose something that's precious it's precious to me like our, our, our relationship is precious to me so as I say that though there are a couple things that I feel like are really important as your kids get older one with toddlers we don't over explain our boundaries right like we might explain once to them why they don't go on the road, but every single time we stop them from going on the road, we don't like rehash the whole thing. The reason why we don't go on the road is because there's cars, blah, blah, blah. It becomes exhausting if you have to reset the boundary, why you don't throw food, all those kinds of things, right? So, I mean, I'll maybe explain it once and then for a long time not even explain it again. I just calmly hold the boundary and that's it. Even the why we hit thing. They know it and every once in a while I'll explain it, but for the most part it's just we don't hit, right? And yeah, going into like a kind of lecture thing, Really it doesn't help. Anybody. It, it doesn't, doesn't really help. serve them. Yeah. It's more just like you are manually coming in, gently grabbing their hands and saying something like, I won't let you hit him, right? Mm-hmm. But what I found is very helpful as my kids have gotten older, so this really works on both my older daughters, but especially my oldest, where things I feel like the stakes are like becoming higher, the boundaries that we're setting are like a bigger deal for her is making sure that she does understand the why. Like it is no longer just me coming in and being like, here, let me hold your hand and stop you from doing this. It's, she has all control of all of her limbs all the time, right? Mm -hmm. I'm actually never manually constraining her or forcing her to go anywhere. And then I think you have to be like aware of, am I moving? So like, sorry to interrupt you, but just made me think of this thing that I think could be really helpful for people that, so with the toddlers, try not to have it be a force, like really like, strong like you're mad because if you think about it like exactly what Tyrone's saying as they're moving into older kids and especially teenagers like that's not going to work you anymore can't enforce so it that, that if it's like a control boundary forcing holding thing it's not going to work like if it's a directing like being that safety you know like fence yes but if it's like the i'm forcing you over here i mean besides that just feels yucky to the kid it's not going to work when they get bigger. You literally can't do that. No. So, and, sorry. and if you're depending on strong emotional setting of boundaries, then when they're teenagers, that turns into just really angry yelling, which just totally. takes away your relationship. It erodes the foundation of your relationship. So I'm actually, I think this is valuable. This concept is valuable. Whether you're, if your oldest is a baby right now, because if you're thinking of their entire life ahead of them, our goal is to get them to be adults with autonomy and be able to discipline themselves, mm-hmm. right? That's our, that's our goal, is that they can set boundaries one day for themselves and hold themselves to it. And if we are ruling them with fear as children, force, fear, and anger, then that's going to make so that they, 
later setting healthy boundaries is going to be much difficult because you're right we can't forcefully constrain them anymore and if they're relying on well i only respond to anger then yeah your relationship is just going to just slowly spiral down and as we know responding with anger and force is a short-term solution you can get you can get kids to do almost everything if you get mad at them when they're little, right? Or threaten some punishment. Like, if you don't do this, then we're not going to the park. Whatever. But we've talked about this so much, guys. When we just threaten, if it's just a natural consequence, that makes sense. But if we're just threatening some random thing to try to control behavior, like, okay, fine. Well, you don't get to do this tomorrow if you don't do this today. That's just control and manipulation. And it's a short-term gain. But in the end, they're never going to be innately motivated to make the right decision, they're only motivated out of fear. So it's just a you're like winning this little baby battle to lose the war long term. Mm -hmm. So the whole point of setting these healthy boundaries while they're small is so that when they're older, you can still maintain your relationship. And like I was saying, she's out of my sight now a lot of times. So she doesn't have me like hanging over her saying, if you don't do this or if you talk like that, then guess what's gonna happen? Like the goal is here that I'm like, weaning her off of being dependent on me to actually set her boundaries. But still, at this age, there are still so many boundaries to set. So for example, with the phone, I've explained to her, me and my husband, this is why we believe, and I, I even give her the mental health statistics, like suicide goes up by an incredible amount of percentage if you have social media when you're a teenager. Like it's crazy and she's not worth, her life is not worth risking for me like it's not even I don't care if she and luckily with none of these things she's actually upset about she's very understanding about them but I'm just saying her knowing the why and me being open about like this is why we're setting this limit makes so that it's much easier to hold and so that so that's one thing first of all that's why we practice when they're little setting healthy boundaries giving the why I think as they get older is very helpful and the other thing that's been an aha moment for me and this goes back to our pillars. Connection. So in the kinds of parenting, you know, there's the militant, which is just your setting, just just setting boundaries. On the opposite side, there's negligent, which I don't think any of our listeners are negligent. So let's just... just if you're listening, yeah. you're not negligent. Yeah. But there's permissive, where you just care about what your kids think about you, right? And you're just letting them do whatever they want. Happy. You're just trying to make them happy. But then authoritative is where we're going for, where you have a balance between connection and setting boundaries and limits. So... What I found, though, is that it was easier for me to maintain connection and boundaries, that little uh, balance when my kids were really little. But now that she's older, it is a lot more effort for me to make sure I have that connection in so that when I take the withdrawal of setting a limit, do I have enough deposits of connection there? And I'm having to, I'm finding that I'm having to set, like actually go to a lot more effort to make time with her because now that looks like doing things with her and having like conversations with her, not just playing Legos with her. Because you're not, you're not constantly around her parenting and getting to, well, let me lift you up on the counter and we'll stir this together, or let me brush your teeth or change yeah. your diaper. All those little connecting, those... she's pretty yeah. much gone a lot. She put and she puts herself to bed now, right? right? So I don't right. have those little moments of. I mean, we still have our little nightly thing we do together, but like I'm not doing all those things that used to keep her alive and connect mm -hmm. us. Now, I've, and we have meals together, so, but what I'm saying is, yeah, I, I'm actually have to go to more effort for connection. And I had this aha moment this last week, actually, it was with some young women in my neighborhood, that we were actually, we were setting a limit on something, and the one girl who had the hardest time with that limit was, I knew, it like came to me, like, it's because we don't have 
enough emotional deposits of connection that she does feel like it's just being like an authoritarian and it's surprisingly it was around phones so phones <laughs> apparently are a big deal I don't know if you guys knew this but phones are a big deal for teenagers but it was an aha moment for me of no matter who you're dealing with in your life whether they're a baby a toddler a teenager or an adult we have to balance connection as we set boundaries or else it comes across as very militant but what I'm finding is that with teenagers it's especially important we have to actually really go out of our way to find ways and again, I'm just I'm looking at it like a deposit and withdrawal. Like, am I always depositing more into the connection relationship so that when I set a limit, it doesn't we don't go into negative, right? Like, can we always stay at positive? I'm putting in more to connection that I'm withdrawing, and I think as long as I do that, then when I set a limit, I think it does actually it does actually increase the health in our relationship. Because yeah. I'm not suggesting that limits take away from our relationships. I'm just saying that if all we do is set limits, we end up feeling like our relationship is disconnected. Yeah, and disconnected. Yeah. And I think there's power in knowing, because I just think back to when I was a teenager, and I feel like something that was really powerful for me was that I did know my parents had my best interests in mind, and I knew that because of those uh, quote-unquote deposits that they had put in. They had spent time with me. I knew they knew what I cared about, and I knew that they believed that I was a good person. You know, they, I knew that they knew who I was, and so when I did have boundaries, I remember a big boundary for me was curfew because I felt like, anyway, I felt like I had some friends who their parents actually didn't have any curfew. And so then the fact that I had a curfew that actually I, I think is quite generous, especially looking back. I actually, that was like my first boundary as a teenager that I remember being like, wait, but yeah. why? Like everybody else gets to do this. So I think another thing, then you kind of already mentioned it, but I think it is good to note that even though I still didn't like it, and I actually do remember pushing back and being like, but why? Like, I don't wanna do that, or like, I don't think that's right. Even though I pushed back, my parents still held the boundary. My dad wasn't like, okay, well, maybe we won't do it. He was like, no, we are gonna do this. And because I had that relationship connection built up, I, I still like, I obviously obeyed the boundary, and it was good, and I think it did keep me safe in a lot, you know, like safe, in a lot of ways so I think that it's good to note that even if your teenager or any kid again if they push back it doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad but I do yeah. love mm -hmm. that if they've put in the emotional connection first it does help with those boundary setting for sure yeah. and in the gifts of imperfect parenting by Brene Brown that book mm -hmm. she actually says that when they did focus groups with teenagers or with adults looking back at their teenagerhood the ones who had parents who did set limits curfews rules around technology that kind of stuff those kids as adults looked back with fondness. Like it was almost like they were bragging, like, oh, right. my parents didn't let me yes. do this. And the ones who had just free reign were like really sad about it. Like my parents didn't even care enough to set a limit. I could do whatever I wanted and it was not good for me. Mm -hmm. So keep that in mind. That, There's power in that. That kids, although they might complain about it, when you're setting a limit because you care about them, that they might complain about it, but truly deep down, when it comes down to it, they appreciate it because they know that you care. Right. And I think, I mean, teenagers and talking about adults too, this just came into my mind and you guys could be like, that's completely wrong. But <laughs> I find that people who have strong boundaries and they express them, people, like I know my friends that have strong boundaries or my family, I respect them more and I feel like I know them authentically instead of, you know, I've interacted with people or at times in my life I felt like this where, you know, you're feeling like 
you're either being a doormat or or someone that you're interacting with is not setting any boundaries and it's i'm sure how kids feel you just have no idea what's coming next yeah. it's an uncomfortable it's place so to uncomfortable. be in. yeah it's like should i ask them should i not should i set the boundary for them are they going to do it like it it's not comfy to to interact with people when they don't have any self-awareness or boundaries yeah. and yeah. i so i think modeling that to our kids will it's be crucial. so helpful for them yeah. You know? I love kind of like going into the boundaries with then ourselves and adults. I think I love, there's so much cool work from Brene Brown. Oprah has some really cool stuff about this. Um, we've had Jennifer Finlayson Fife on the podcast and she has some really cool ideas around this too. But we really, we have no relationship without boundaries. And so it's boundaries are literally what allows us to have intimacy and connection. So like, I just want to let that sink in for a sec because Sometimes I think, and it's something that Brene Brown says is like, we cannot have vulnerability without boundaries. Mm -hmm. And we cannot have like the most generous people that in her studies over 20 years, her most generous people and most compassionate people that she found were the most boundaried people. Like that was the correlation. And is it because they're like holding back something for themselves? Yeah. Like they are protecting themselves too. Yes. I think it's the wrong word because that sounds like offensive, but... Because if you think about it, because when you think about being generous, I think sometimes we just think like, oh, just give, 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 give. Right. That's what I think of when I think of generous. But when you think about it, if you're just giving, 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 even when you don't want to give, that's actually not coming from a place of generosity. But we've all been around people who are generous, and you can tell that they are truly giving from a place of, like, you, no strings attached, take it or leave it. But part of it is because they have come from a place of, cl- like, clean place where they, with intention, they've decided, I'm giving this because I want to, not because I feel like I need to, not because I am afraid of disappointing someone. They are really coming in, and that is a truly generous feeling. And so I think Mm -hmm. for me, a huge, because as I've been thinking about the boundaries with myself, I've realized that like a big, and I, I mentioned this at the beginning, but I think a big thing when it comes to us setting boundaries for ourselves, whether it's with little people or big people, is really coming down to if I'm feeling uncomfortable about setting this boundary, which Brene Brown actually uses the term, a boundary is simply what's okay and what's not okay for you. Mm -hmm. Like that's really what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. And if I am, if I can ask myself why and become aware about why am I having, why am I uncomfortable about setting this boundary? If I can actually like ask myself those questions and come to some answers. And for me, again, journaling has helped me with that because it kind of helps me like unwind all my thoughts. But then you can actually start unraveling. Is it because, so for instance, I'm gonna give an example. I have a friend in my life who's really dear to me and I value my relationship with this person. And I was having a hard time saying no to this friend because I also felt like she was in a really difficult place. And so I I felt like this need to be there for her and I had a hard time if she said she wanted my help in some way or to come over or something, I kind of had a hard time saying no. And I noticed that one time she had asked me for something and I, I like noticed in myself, I had said yes, like, yes, I would be willing to do that. But in my mind and in my heart, I was already feeling some resentment. Like I was feeling kind of like bothered about it. And afterwards I was thinking about it. I was like, why do I feel this way? Because I do want to be there for her. I do want to be that person but I'm like feeling resentment and I haven't even done anything. Like I'm feeling anticipatory resentment, which is a problem. (laughs) So I was kind of like writing it out. And what it came down to was, I think it came down to, I didn't want to disappoint people around me. I didn't want to disappoint this person. And I also didn't want to be perceived as 
that kind of a friend who maybe wasn't going to be there for someone or who didn't care. Like I, I wanted to be that. But honestly, like when I came down to it, I was like, I can still say no though. Like when a situation comes up and she asked me for something, I can still say no. And almost just like, it, it sounds so simple and maybe even kind of dumb for a lot of people. But I feel like as I wrote down kind of some of these thoughts that I was like, that's why I'm feeling resentment is because I, I already feel like I can't say no to a future event that might happen or might even not happen. And so when I kind of came to that conclusion that I was like, I need to be okay with saying no to this because otherwise, even if I say yes to her, I'm still, I'm feeling resentment. I know that she can probably feel it in some way. And I'm definitely, like you mentioned at the beginning, Terlyn, I am not reaping the relational benefits that I could. Mm -hmm. So honestly, just even coming to that, it's funny because I have been able to say no to this person in different ways and set a boundary. But honestly, for the most part, I actually still have been able to say yes, but because I've come at it from this clean space of like, am I intentionally saying yes or, or can I say no? And actually giving myself permission to say no. That has like changed. So this is a relationship that, again, I really value it, but I feel like it's been kind of hard here and there. Something that this boundary thing has actually made the biggest difference in this relationship. And it's not even like anything outwardly has changed. Like I still probably see her pretty close to the amount that I did before. I still do a lot of things with this person, but like my feeling towards the whole thing has changed. And because of that, and this is something that honestly I have been thinking about for a long time. And it really came back for me of being able to set those boundaries for myself and feel okay with saying no. Mm -hmm. Because then, like I said, it's not even like maybe I've said no more. It's just the fact that I now have given myself permission. I'm not gonna say yes unless I intentionally am coming at it from a wholehearted perspective. I don't know, for me that has been a huge, a huge difference in my relationship. So. I invite anybody on here who has felt that in any of their relationships to just take an inventory of like, why am I having a hard time setting this boundary? Why am I uncomfortable with this? And go through that process with yourself so that you can come at things either actually saying no, or if you're going to be still saying yes, you can come at it from a place of a wholehearted, clean place. And that feels better for everybody involved. And you can truly, truly have those connections that we all want. Mm -hmm. And I think setting, like you're saying, it takes courage when you when you're setting boundaries as an adult with other adults and your family, maybe in your job, it sometimes is scary and you have to set aside like the, I want to please everyone, make more friends, mm -hmm. you know. I want even, to be seen as this way. I right. want to be perceived this way. Yeah, and, and makes you really question, what are my values? Who, you know, because you, if we all have the same amount of time. Who am I setting this, this time aside for? Where am I going to set these boundaries to respect myself? And the things that I really value, it makes you question all that. It's easy, well, it's easy to just say yes and then f in the moment, and then you're just going to feel resentful. But, you know, it's way harder. It's way harder to set boundaries around things that you value than it is just to go willy-nilly and then end up grumpy. Yes. It's harder. It is so true. And a couple tips for those of you who have a hard time saying no. One of my favorite phrases actually is, um, I don't have the bandwidth for that right now. Yes. Sometimes when I say no to something, I feel like I have to give like a really, really long, like a lot of reasons, mm -hmm. but it actually works really, really well to say like, I would love to do that, but I just don't have the bandwidth for that right now. And, and, and just leave it at that. Like it's okay to just have that be enough. I can't remember in what book or somewhere I read that, but I really like it and it works because sometimes that is the way of describing it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's true. I'm going to say no because I really just don't have the bandwidth for that right now. Yep. 
And people respect that. I would much rather have somebody say me no too. to me than say yes and do it resentfully. Right. Honestly. Again, you'll be able, you know that you can trust them. That mm-hmm. when they say yes, they're going to show up fully and they're going to do it not in a place of resentment. When somebody sets a boundary, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, like yeah. I can trust the yeah. type of person that you're going to show up as, yeah. you know. And it might be that the people that you're saying no to, maybe they won't always respond as kindly. Like maybe they will be unhappy that you're saying no. But again, I think it comes down to, for you, you're in a way better place, and that relationship is going to be in a way better place, yeah. even if they are unhappy with your no. Yeah. And, and to me, this comes back to one of our pillars, which is unconditional love. Part of unconditional love is when you set a boundary for yourself, you allow that person to either be unhappy or happy with you about it. Mm-hmm. And you, you can still show love to them. And, and right? belong to yourself like, by doing that. This is my boundary, and I can see you're upset about that. And as I say this, I know that I've said this a hundred times as we're talking about children, mm-hmm. but the same thing works as with adults. Mm-hmm. I can see you're unhappy about that boundary, but for me, yes, to still belong to myself, I'm going to hold this boundary, and I'm going to love you whether you're upset with it or not. Mm-hmm. That's that's part of unconditional love, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, hopefully the adult you're dealing with isn't going to throw a tantrum, but they might make, try to make you feel guilty a little bit because they really want you to, they want that, right? Mm-hmm. Not they don't want you to feel guilty, but they want whatever the action is that you feel like you can't give from a place of abundance. And uh, we talk about this a lot and that we see people in our own lives and people who teach different things on this whole spectrum. There's the people who just are overly like, I just want to make people happy and I'll do whatever, even if it requires sacrificing my entire self and I'm going to be a martyr and really sad about it. And that's giving from a place of emptiness. Then you have this beautiful place in the middle, which is where we're talking about, where you have healthy boundaries, you have unconditional love, you're able to say no to things or yes to things from a place of abundance. And it isn't just like you're able to actually like have connection and boundaries. But then on the other side of the spectrum, which I think is important to talk about when we're just going over boundaries in the space of one episode, and that is sometimes people go to the extent of, I just say no to everything, and I don't do anything I don't want to do, ever, because all that matters here is that I am happy, right? And in that situation, you are what you're missing out on is connection. So if you find yourself, I, I don't think a lot of people go to that extreme. I see in my own life, a lot more people who are on the side of giving from a place of resentment or healthy boundaries. But you can go too far where it's just like, I don't know anything I want to, uh, I don't want to do. So sorry, like don't ever ask me for anything. Mm-hmm. Because part of relationships is giving and taking. Sometimes right. I do things that I don't want to do, but I choose it deliberately from a space of abundance because I care about the other person enough. Right. So yeah, it may not be like my favorite thing in the world to do, but I'm doing it from a space. Right. A healthy space because I'm choosing it. Yeah. Right. So we are not at all implying that by having boundaries, it means you never do anything you don't want to do. (laughs) Right. Right. In fact, a lot of my life is doing things that I probably wouldn't choose. Well, sorry, I do choose them, but they're not my favorite things to do. First thing that I would pick every single day. Exactly. (laughs) But I do them because the people who are involved or the things that are involved matter to me. And I choose those things. And your future values. Yes. And my future values. So if you're serving, if you're going and cleaning your neighbor's bathroom because they're having a hard time. I'm not saying that it means you love cleaning bathrooms. It means that you value that neighbor and giving that service is something that you are choosing from a space of freedom, yeah. right? So again, I see it rarely, but I, I do see where people take this mm-hmm. so far where they're mm-hmm. like, all I ever do is just stuff for me. And sorry, lot. kids, if you want something, neighbors, mm-hmm. if you want something from me, don't ask mm-hmm. because these are my, but they'll say things like, these are my boundaries, mm-hmm. right? But then what I'm saying is you really, you don't have relationships with people right. or connection. That's what you're missing out on if all you do ever is only things you want to yeah. do and set boundaries like You that. can't have connection without some sacrifice. And I think we see that with our kids. I mean, we sacrifice a lot for them and for our spouse. You know, like for, the, for our loved ones, 
that comes, sometimes we do things that we don't want to do. And that's, that actually is what a lot of times helps those relationships grow. So I like that. But you can do all those things without resentment. Right. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Once you realize yeah. that it's your choice and you're choosing from a space of freedom, then you can do any of those things you just said. All the service we do for our kids every single day, you can do it without resentment. I think that's the key. Yep. Where you actually reap the relationship benefits from it. Exactly. And in fact, it's a little hint to a future episode coming up. A little yes. teaser right there for you. All right, guys, we hope this deep dive into boundaries was helpful. All right, let's find the magic. <clears throat> me, 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 me. <laughs> <laughs> Brown cows. <laughs>